Hello and welcome to FM On Demand with Tara Fitzpatrick. I'm your host, Tara Fitzpatrick. Here on Food Management's podcast, we are talking with Matt Tebbett from University of Reading that's in the UK. When we had scheduled this weeks ago, but um, it was actually scheduled for the day after Queen Elizabeth had died. And I wasn't even sure if like the entire country was shut down there, if he would be able to talk, but he was. And we we have a very interesting conversation just at the very beginning we kind of talk about the royals and i've watched the crown so i'm something of an expert on it myself no just kidding but it's it's definitely something that i'm fascinated with um and he in turn is fascinated with the united states with us he came to visit at least twice that i know of last summer he was at menus of change where I moderated a panel and he was on the panel and he was just great. And he went to the NACUFS conference in Spokane. So he's just been getting to know other college food service operators and kind of comparing notes and not just culturally, but like operations wise. And he's really looking to improve his own operation and what he has going there. So um, really just an interesting person. And it's, it's a very British podcast. So please enjoy. Welcome, Matt. Thank you for being here. Lovely to be here. And this is a historic time. This is a pre-recorded podcast, but um, at this moment, the Queen has just died. We now have um, King Charles III. So what is kind of... First, tell us where you're at, because this is this is very, it's a significant moment in history. So uh, Reading is in the county of Berkshire. So its uh, technical name is the Royal County of Berkshire, because Windsor is just down the road. So obviously it has quite a lot of royal connections, and it will be, Windsor will be the final resting place of the Queen. So um, that's um, yeah. Yeah, quite, quite a... Uh, Quite, it's got quite a, quite a big part to play in the ne- in the coming days, um, and the Queen is also she holds a position at the university called Visitor of the University. Oh, how so nice! <laughs> we will be abs- we will have a closure day on the day of the funeral. Good. Um, so the university will close uh, with just our sort of essential services running. Okay. Uh, which yeah. always involves dining. So uh, when it snows, we're here. Uh, any crisis we're always here including death of a monarch um so yes no it's very interesting most people don't remember another monarch so uh no definitely not (laughs) even people like our parents age don't remember there being another one no i mean i think there's not many you'd have to be i'm not sure if you could actually be alive and remember another monarch on the throne are we yeah we'd have to look into that but again just a long life lived so is is the mood in the country kind of like I mean it's obviously a somber time but it's like you know she had a very long life she did so many things like is is it kind of more like it'll be more of a celebration of her life yeah I think it is quite somber at the moment uh it was really interesting for example when you turned on the tv last night Mm -hmm. uh all the channels had cancelled their programming oh um, so they were just showing rolling news um, or programs about her, but all your new, normal programs had all disappeared. Yeah, yeah. They weren't showing anything. They just had a test card showing. Yeah. So it's quite a, uh, a quite an interesting time. Um, it is. It is. And things like sport matches are being cancelled. 
it's technically a period of mourning, so there mm-hmm. a lot of non-essential activities have been postponed or moved. So uh, yeah, very, very interesting. And uh, like the university's got condolences books open, and uh, says so the local government, and uh, so people are laying flowers. So it's it's, it's fascinating to yeah. And you're about. in the getting ready phase for students coming back. So were, what were you doing like when you found out? I was actually, it's not very glamorous. I was playing with my son on his bedroom floor, <laughs> a two-year-old. Oh. And uh, one of my American friends actually sent me a picture of his front doorstep with a uh, Union Jack hanging mm-hmm. hanging from the front porch. And I was like, why has he sent me this? And then looked at the news and I was like, mm-hmm. oh. She's, uh, so I think I found out about, yeah, five o'clock our time. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting how these just, I don't know, just moments that happen. Like I, um, for William and Kate's wedding, um, my daughter was probably about two when that happened. And I, I stayed home from work that day for whatever reason. And we were going to watch it, not to watch it, but it just happened to be on. So we were able to, and she saw some horses and she had like a little rocking horse at the time. So she made me get that out from the basement and she was just riding on that horse and we were watching oh. all the the procession and so obviously that was a joyful moment but this is this is going to be very different but it's- yeah no it's, uh, it's it's quite amazing how big a news it is outside of the uk i, I think it's always hard to uh, like fathom how how much impact it has like i went onto cnn's homepage and it was just the whole thing was just black and it had one news story and that was it on it and i was like wow absolutely and everybody that's, that's CNN. we all watch the crown like i and I've, I've learned a lot more about you know like more of the background and all the all the fascinating things i'm definitely i mean it's i'm a bit of an anglophile and i <laughs> I, I definitely have ancestors from all over the uk like a lot of scotland and stuff like that so it's yeah, it's it's fascinating, and it's it's something that um, yeah, it'll it'll mark this this time of year. And getting back into what you're doing, you had been saying it's panic time because students are going to be coming back soon, and this is a little bit later than I think most of our colleges are starting. But you you've absolutely added, you said that you've got I mean, a lot to do. You've got a lot to get done. Uh, yeah, we we have a lot of uh, summer renovation work. <laughs> Uh, so it's just tying that up and cleaning, cleaning, cleaning our, our buildings and outlets back up and getting, getting them ready for our new students mm-hmm. with the added complication that it looks like the funeral will be in the first few days that the um, students arrive uh, and the yeah. university will close for those days with just our essential services running. So it does make it, it adds, adds an added layer of first stress and uh, it is, it is. all waiting to hear what day it is. So, uh, and then we should, I should be able to plan. You have to um, be prepared for everything, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, it's, uh, it's, it's, fast. it's made it more complicated than normal, but uh, understandably so and rightly so. Yeah, so, rightly yeah. so, for sure. And you kind of spent quite a bit of the summer in our country, in America, and I wanted to sort of get um, just your impressions, because I think different cultures, it's just so interesting to kind of talk to somebody that's looking at us from a different way, and then in turn, we learn, you know, about each other, about ourselves, and I wondered if there were any um, sort of stereotypes or, or misconceptions that you had about Americans, or were you proven right? Did you, were you expecting to see, like, we're super rude people? And <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I always believe that America is more like a series of countries. I think that's always, always the best way from an outsider thinking about uh, the US. Fair. Yeah. 
in my I've always felt really welcome and uh, maybe apart from my immigration at JFK who are <laughs> um, but no the uh, the vast majority of people are really welcoming really warm happy to share talk uh, and I think the the biggest stereotype that you there is the stereotype that America is an unhealthy country. Ah. Uh, the food is poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there isn't a food culture. Maybe there is, uh, aside from sort of your, your fast food. And for me, I think the universities in particular have always, always surprised me in many ways um, how good the food is on campus. And I'd go as far as to say it's significantly better than the food we serve in our universities on the whole. Okay. Um, the 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 leaders or the, or the giants in the dining scene in the U.S. and universities um, just they just blow your mind and, and they all do slight, slightly different things and have different priorities and focuses. Uh, the first place I went, uh, which really which was because I looked online at what people were doing and thought oh, I must go and do that was uh, when I went to the. NACOF's com- conference at Denver. Oh, yeah. And I went on the tour of the University of Colorado Boulder and I was oh, just blown, nice yeah. <laughs> blown, blown away. And I, it, was, it was amazing. And yeah. um, most of us here are too. When we see that, it's like, oh my gosh. It's I, it's like, I want to go to college here, except for the altitude. I don't want to, I can't, my body doesn't like it there. But. Yeah, that was a bit of a surprise. Oh, um, <laughs> I didn't really understand what people were talking about until I got there. And I was like, okay, I understand fully what's going, going on here. Um, so yeah I think it's University of Colorado Boulder has a very special place in my heart because it sort of of was an enlightenment Uh um, and so much better than I it it blew my mind in terms of I thought it was going to be good but it was exceptional Um, and then I think that's what pretty much started our interest in uh, what was happening on US campuses Um, to give you a bit of background Reading as a university we were sort of, we, we gained independence from Oxford because we were originally part of Oxford. Um, so we were rebellious and uh-huh. <laughs> gained, gained our independence. Uh, but we have a heavy focus on food and climate. Uh, so we have our own farms. We teach agriculture, soil science, which is fairly niche. Uh, and then go through to food and nutritional sciences, consumer behavior around food, then to the business of food and also climate as a uh, as a subject of meteorology so um we've always wanted to have the best food on campus and we were never entirely convinced that our peers over here mm-hmm. were doing any better than we were so that's what made yeah. us look further af- afield and i think it's always been really interesting that while europe's on our doorstep mm-hmm. in many ways with food and the way we teach we don't share as much as you might think and actually looking towards the US and Canada we share a lot more um, a lot more in common Mm -hmm. and I think it's things like social media the rise of social media the internet's making the world a much smaller place language too I mean you can't that's that's like such a huge deal it's like we're we're able to communicate although other than a few few little words that we I I always tell you the different words and the crazy (laughs) We managed to uh, submit a recipe to the uh, menus to change 
university research collaborative newsletter, which was aubergines and courgettes with coriander. Uh, I was like, <laughs> how, how did we find something with three ingredients oh, with completely different names, which amused them, and they just put the translations all the way through the uh, all the way through all the way through the recipe. But I know uh, eggplant and cilantro, but what was the middle thing? <laughs> uh, courgette, which is zucchini. Courgette. No, so that's a new one. Okay. Yeah, courgette is zucchini. So, yeah. um, <laughs> Aubergine instead of eggplant. I think that's that's a cool one. And sometimes we use it like in pink colors here. Like it's it's mm. very dark purple color would be aubergine, which is. Like, I think coriander has some uses. Does it appears well, sometimes? Maybe more in gardening. Is it more when it's in its dried form or like mm. the seeds? We call that coriander, and then the leafy live thing we call cilantro <laughs> so. we just keep it simple everything's called <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> any variation many accents very bad. <laughs> um, but no i mean like it's it's a really fascinating thing is when you get into the like the service of food so you're going to hassap which is really quite a technical area and you'd think there'd be loads of differences as actually like some of those temperatures that we use uh -huh. they make any sense when you translate them into fahrenheit Make perfect sense, and we're using a lot. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of the technical side is uh, remarkably similar and very very closely linked, and yeah. all the principles behind HACCP. And then you start speaking to a lot of, the, especially the younger generation of chefs in the US who are much more get up to using metric, particularly in baking. Oh, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't know if we ever could, because it just doesn't make sense. Even though it's actually <laughs> more, I mean, it absolutely makes more sense. But because yeah we grew up with like, I know what a mile is. I don't know what a meter is. It's like, that's, I don't know. Well, you have to remember England is the country where we measure in miles on our roads. And then it will tell you the exit is 300 meters, 200 meters, 100 meters. And you'll get to the next exit and it'll say 300 yards, 200 yards, 100 yards. Yeah. Uh, and we sell milk in uh, really random milliliter sizes, which are a pint or two okay. pints or three pints. Okay. So, uh, yeah, and, and, and meters in five, 454 gram packets, which is a pack, oh, which is a, well, a pound, isn't it? I think, yep. A packet? Uh, that's, that's definitely yeah. a new one. I've never heard that one. <laughs> There's just a lot of different things. Did you drive at all while you were over here? Have you tried to drive on the wrong side of the road for you? I uh, drove for the first time in Los Angeles, which was probably, uh, <laughs> probably a mistake. Uh, I think, think I nearly killed myself at the first, first, first intersection and then got the hang of it quite quickly after that. Um, it would feel so wrong, though. I don't know. like Because when I've had the opportunity, I think it was in St. Thomas, which it's the American Virgin Islands, but for some reason they also drive on the mm. other side. Like, I think I would have been so disoriented and like, yep. plus it's like mountain roads and things like that. It does help when the um, car has the steering wheel on the, on the correct side of the, in the correct place. You're not driving the wrong car, car in the wrong country, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. uh, I've driven in France and that's really confusing when you're in your English car driving on the wrong side of the road. And like the street signs, like, because I don't speak French very well, so I wouldn't even know if there was one that's like, caution, stop. I would, what? <laughs> Luck, luckily, the European Union seemed to have standardized most of the signs, so that, that wasn't, that's not too bad. But, For sure. And speaking um, of pints, it made me think of pint glasses. And one of the things that I think is the coolest about your title is that it's like, you're also in charge of the bars and nightclubs of the university. <laughs> luckily, just bars. <laughs> uh, I, we, we, we do. <laughs> 
we do have a nightclub on campus which is operated by a students union um who are an independent charity bizarrely that operates a nightclub i don't quite understand how that works um but yes we have uh, my, my my department does about equal amounts of food and drink um so for example we've just we we had a collaboration with a local brewery and we we brewed a beer for graduation this summer oh that's uh, awesome. that was that was co-branded um with the local brewers branding on ours Mm-hmm. Uh, but beer and, and, and the beer is uh, and the drinks that we sell sort of have a lot of those menus that change themes running in, into them now. So they're like locally sourced and small small batches. Oh yeah. So if your mum and pop bit bi- mum and pap biz- is that how you say it? Mum and pap businesses, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> businesses. Um, so it's it's really exciting, and it's moving away from those big brands like Budweiser and Stella, and actually. Yeah. valuing valuing what we are going to drink yeah, um, yeah. but food and food and alcohol sort of sit very nicely <laughs> together I mean we know that from home however on our campuses it's it's yeah. there and um, mm-hmm. our, our American international students do are quite surprised <laughs> so I, I, I sometimes I'm not entirely sure whether they're surprised at the fact that we do it because I can't believe that they didn't realize <laughs> before they turned up um, <laughs> But I think they're just surprised at the ease and how relaxed um, it is. Um, yeah, it sounds very um, relaxing. And with the environmental side of it, um, have you heard of like where you can do beer with like spent grains? Or, or no, you can use the grains from beer and then turn that into like baked goods or bread maybe. Yeah, I saw a um, brewery recently brewing beer with old bread, so leftover bread. So nice. when... <laughs> I don't know where this bread comes from, but uh, we're kind of a name for that that doesn't say that it's from old bread. <laughs> I think they might be called toast or something. Um, but no, it's a really fascinating concept, but sort of along the similar lines, really. Um, yeah, sure. We uh, just down the road from the um, Bombay Sapphire Distillery. Ooh, yes. Um, so they have their and distillery. Just... A sophisticated person. <laughs> I know. So uh, yeah, it's quite a. It's a we we're in the. Um, being in the south of England, we also have some vineyards now, but like a lot of cooler climates, it's mainly sort of white wine. Um, we haven't really perfected red wine over here. The wine in Ohio is terrible too, so don't, don't even. <laughs> <laughs> uh, interestingly, champagne houses. It's not up to what it's just. I don't know. It tastes like grape juice to me every time, and it's not that I'm spoiled from going to Napa. Maybe it is. I don't <laughs> But yeah, so overall, just getting back like um, and having the, all these new impressions and you were at NACUPS in Spokane, we got to hang out there, which was really fun. So you got to see part of the Pacific Northwest. What did you think of that city? Like so walkable and so green, right? Yeah, may, it was absolutely amazing. And um, I, I, I'm currently rep- sitting as the membership chair for NACUPS, representing the I think someone has a really good sense of humor. Mid-Atlantic region, they decided to put us in. Oh, um, a different kind yeah. of Atlantic. <laughs> yeah, very, very mid-Atlantic. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, it's 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 they're a really lovely bunch of people, um, and it's really lovely to collaborate with so many amazing individuals who. Oh yeah. All um, all all love food, um, and I think it's uh, the Nakoff's conference is always really enlightening and exciting and lots of new concepts and ideas I mean some some things you're like that's not for me but there's always so much um to take away 
Um, and I, yeah, it blows my mind every time that conference in a good way. It's so good. And it's people, and I've, I've been going for a while too. And it's like, what's nice about kind of this field of work is that it's um, different from commercial restaurants and that it's like, people are so collaborative and they're not on the same sort of like being so competitive with each other and like so willing to share like this worked mm. for us, this didn't work. Why don't you try this idea? I'll help you try this idea. And I think the people there were just as interested in you to see like mm. what's going, like, you know, what's it's worldwide now. <laughs> so it's, Yeah, it's no, I mean, fun. it's absolutely fascinating, really. The, um, I, I absolutely love, love the collaboration and how much, it just how much you can learn from each other. Yeah, like I, I've been um, sending over millions of scone recipes and Victoria sponge recipes, and I think I've become the go-to person in Nacos if you need a if you need any English English food or Scottish food or Welsh. Um, but no, it's uh, it's it's fast. It's it's just so helpful, and you always just walk away. Wow, like mm-hmm. what, what these people are amazing. Uh, and while it's huge, you always feel it has a feel of a village a community yeah um, that's so important to have that feeling of one just to do good in any career it's like you have people around you and you know that want to see you succeed for sure and I, I think most Americans learned what sponge is like from the, the great British baking show <laughs> that's, that's how we that's how I very good at exporting television nowadays to the U.S. Um. well we like, we like you guys to judge us on things <laughs> And tell us that we're terrible, <laughs> but um, a few, a few pair of dramas thrown in, and some old buildings, and yeah, that's people love it absolutely. And um, my um, my mom loves like all of those shows. Like, I mean, you forget it. She she loves to watch all of those things. And now that my dad's retired, he's watching it right along with her, and he's, he's got all kinds of fan theories of his own. And <laughs> they really do. They just they follow things like that. But um, you said Welsh recipes. Welsh rarebit. What is it? <laughs> you knew I was going to come at you with a question like that. Basically cheese on toast. That's how I always <laughs> But isn't there like a gravy like incorporated? Yeah, I, I, I always I always uh, think it depends who you ask. It's yeah. One of those, uh, there's so many different people just, I there's a great place in Bath that I love to go and it's, uh, and that's more of like a caramelized onion, like jam or chutney um okay with uh, cheese on a big piece of bread um oh. and that's all everyone eats at the in in uh, in, in this particular yeah. cafe in bath um cheese in any combo is like and it's sort of the perfect cushion for when you are drinking you want to build i knew somebody in college that was like you need to lay the foundation in your stomach before a big night out <laughs> <laughs> carbs really is nice carbs Jeez, yep. it, it works. <laughs> I tell our students, water between every drink and you'll be fine. That is the hardest one to do because it's like when you're having a good time, you're like, water? I don't want this poop. Like, what are you, water? No. Mm-hmm. Like, Just become full of water and can't, can't, can't drink another, anymore. <laughs> another Bombay Sapphire and Tonic, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think you need to do a podcast from the Bombay Sapphire Distillery. Oh my gosh, how fun would that be? I mean, yes, <laughs> that should be done. And then... Yeah, and if I if I were to come visit um, your campus, talk a little bit about like what we would see. Like, what's is it kind of more of like a, a country setting, more of like a little town, or is it more urban? Like, what's what's your campus like? So, uh, Reading is 
UK's largest town because we have strange rules about what is a city and what isn't. So it's probably a city in anyone else's definition. Okay. Um, there's a lot of tech here. People like Microsoft, Oracle have all their headquarters here and a lot of pharma as well. Um, people like Bayer and uh, Quintiles. Um, our campus is an old, is the core of an old country estate, uh, which the town has sort of grown around. Okay. So it's an old sort of land, set of landscaped gardens, okay, uh, so original like lands. Very, yeah, so we have three lovely lakes and incredible trees. Okay, so it start. There was there was like a lord and a lady that owned this this estate, and then the town kind of grew around it. Um, the the story goes that the I think it was a Marquess of Blandford who owned the estate. Um, he basically went bankrupt and his creditors burnt down his house. Um, Very harsh. <laughs> yeah. and he, was in, he, he, he spent his money doing things like moving sequoia trees from California to the UK. Um, so... Uh, He's back, sir. <laughs> so Alfred Waterhouse, who was the... I think he's, he's a relation to the Waterhouse in Pricewaterhousekeeper. Uh, he was a very famous architect and designed things like the Natural History Museum in London. He oh. built a series of houses for his family on what is our campus today. Oh. And in the sort of post, post-war post years, uh, the university bought the campus in sections. Okay. Um, so you'll see on our campus a number of large sort of Victorian houses uh, that are all very gothic because that was what he was renowned for. Yeah, those are like uh, my two two of my favorite architecture <laughs> victorian and gothic come on that's yeah, they're amazing our, 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 he has a lot of buildings around uh reading so the town reading town hall is again one of his famous creations uh very gothic uh, amazing concert hall in it um but our campus yeah we have these older buildings and then we also have the modern sort of university buildings mm-hmm. uh surrounding them but still a lot of large sections of parkland and an area affectionately known as the wilderness, which is sort of woodland. Oh, that sounds uh, It feels very wild. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's a huge, it's a large, well, huge campus uh, with buildings on a bit of it and halls and dorms. Uh, and then the, uh, and the university sort of spills over the edge uh, of, of, the, of the campus and has buildings just off campus. So sort of five minutes walk from the edge of campus, but it can take you 20 minutes to walk across the whole campus because it's fairly large by by our standards in our little country um so yeah no it's a it's a beautiful campus and uh it's always good when you if you have a bad day you can walk out walk out of your office and walk around the lake and watch the birds and walk into the woodland or the big meadows which they just let sort of grow wild and uh, in in the spring are full of of lots of flowers and all very very beautiful and then you walk around the corner and there'll be a sort of a scientific weather station uh, monitoring monitoring the world or or a chemistry block so uh, it's it's varied but we're yeah. very lucky to have such a uh, beautiful campus yeah and it's it's scientifically proven that like going out in nature like really does everything like for your wellness like mm. it's, it's called forest bathing and you just kind of go and like it just over you so I love, I love that term I'm going to tell my wife this weekend we should go forest bathing it sounds so much more fun than hiking <laughs> exactly we have a uh, fascinating museum just off campus called the Museum of English Rural Life and oh. it's a uh, sort of tracks farming and early agriculture 
Mm. There's all these contraptions and carts and sheaths and everything you can think of as sort of how people how agriculture of, came to be like i mean that's that's amazing when you think about it like what people were able to do so long ago and what, how you had to do it yeah our two-year-old son was uh really interested the other day with a, i think it's a threshing machine to thresh the grain uh-huh. um <laughs> but it was from sort of probably the 1930s maybe 1920s so it's all made out of wood but it's a machine uh and you were just like it's amazing that they this know, is how they they're whittling the down before, it even, before you even had to push it or haven't i guess have an yeah. or something. it's yeah we, we've come a long way like in this world it's very it's strange to think about like time and history and i do want to ask you you had a grandfather who i think you said who was um a newspaper man Yes, he, uh, he, well, he still writes in the newspaper. He, he was a politician. Um, so he now writes, yeah, writes. And um, he's still around and he's writing for a newspaper now. That's awesome. Yeah, so he, he does columns and uh, he, he was recent until recently in the House of Lords, um, which is our sort of Senate. Oh, wow. Place. Um, but he's retired from that. He's decided he's old enough now. <laughs> Shout out to Grandpa from the House of Lords. <laughs> yeah. Sure, very cool. And I wanted to ask you too about some of your other like family traditions. Like, did you have like a Sunday roast and like modern day? Like, you have a little two-year-old, so it's like, what does your cooking at home look like? Like historically, family stuff, and then what are you doing now? It's probably quite um, one of my favorite uh, places to look for recipes. Is I adore the New York Times cooking. App. Oh, it's so good. Um, <laughs> I, 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 told me about I, it too. Yep. It's such a great collection from such a diverse group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that has a lot of my favourites. And there's a um, Peruvian chicken, which I'm, I cooked at the weekend for our Sunday roast. Um, so probably a bit more modern than we were not. I when I when I was younger, we had very traditional Sunday roasts, which was meat, potatoes some vegetables um all, all beautifully cooked but yeah, yeah. um yeah we probably i i'm not sure i always have the time or patience to cook cook a full sunday roast every sunday it's more of a special occasion now i yeah. think um, and especially if you have the sunday scaries where you know that you have to go to work on monday and it's just that awful absolutely <laughs> um and then things like cooking pizza um I've got a, uh, it's like a, a fake green egg, I call it. Komodo ovens, are they? Um, and you just cook the pizza in it and it's amazing. Um, and has all the smoky taste. Um, so yeah, I love playing with food, but I'm not a chef by trade. So I uh, I yeah. probably fail miserably by our, our exec chef is just like, what have you made? <laughs> <laughs> so we have a little uh, a few a few messaging messaging going on about who's made what nice. and i know they normally just laugh at me because ah. like, your, your, your prep skills aren't very good matt um <laughs> really you really need to improve your knife skills or, or i come in having cut myself and i'm like you need to sharpen your knives um but no i adore food and um i think everyone should have access to really great food and um again with my son i want him to experience lots of types of food and interesting food and i think compared to when i was young i think food in the uk has moved on massively it's like even i I would take you happily to a restaurant that said it specialized in in british food because it's 
it's so exciting and it's diverse and there's loads of interesting local foods and seasonal foods and like much of america you you, you see they, they there's amazing restaurants showcasing the food locally yeah um, it's just such and, a good way to share and to learn about cultures so yeah hopefully absolutely. you and i will be breaking bread on on either continent sometimes soon <laughs> well, um, well, I'm, I'm actually coming over next month i think for um the menus of change university research collaborative conference so i'm really looking forward to that cool. because that is at the in Texas Northwestern University. Oh, nice. Very which is where Chris is from, who we did our panel with at yeah. the Menus of Change event. Yeah. Um, again, another so person I'm in awe of with his yeah. vegan restaurant in Texas, Texas, which seems to... Chris, when you go there. Yeah, I know it does. It's like he's totally going against the grain with... Um, and this is University of North Texas. And we've, we've written a lot about this too, just vegan in Texas. Like that's all you need to know. So it's, it is, it's all about breaking down those stereotypes. And I just, I, I'd love to have these conversations with you and um, thank you so much for taking the time and, and we hope that you come back soon. Oh, thank you, Tara. And I look forward to uh, seeing you soon as well. Bye.